Welcome to Toothnomics, the podcast about the business and economics of running your dental office. Hello, and welcome to Toothnomics. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Clary. If you're like most dentists, you struggle with how to make treatment more affordable for all of your patients while not being forced to offer steep discounts that could affect the health of your practice. Today, we're joined by Geraldine Alfie, DMD. Dr. Alfie is a former practicing dentist and practice owner who now helps dentists run their businesses in a role as a dental coach. She'll help us navigate how to increase affordability while still maintaining practice profitability. Then, in our Toothonomics 101 segment, we'll look at accounts payable. As always, we'd like to thank our generous sponsor, Cirrus Dental. Whether you're looking to move away from PPOs or boost your patient satisfaction, Cirrus Dental can help you set up and run a successful in-office membership program. Visit MyCirrusDental.com to learn more about and sign up for a free personalized webinar. That's M-Y-C-I-R-R-U-S-D-E-N-T-A-L.com. And here's Dr. Geraldine Alfie. Uh, so you're a business coach. Can you tell me what that means? Sure. So... One of the things that I always tell people when I first meet with them and they ask, why would I need a coach? Well, a business coach really wears three different hats. One is as an executive coach, where our goal is to build the dentist into being a better leader. Because let's face it, Tom, you know, when we were in dental school, I don't know when you graduated, I think it was probably around the same time as I did. We were never taught business skills in dental school. We weren't taught leadership skills in dental school, and we weren't taught communication skills in dental school. And you know from running a practice that those three components, that soft skill set is so important to be able to lead your team and be able to make them so that they're really autonomous so that they can help you run the practice so that the dentist can focus just on doing the dentistry. So as a business coach, my my priorities are to build the dentist into a better leader, make sure that they're thinking like a CEO to run their business and making sure that they are able to do what only the dentist can do when they're in the office. So affordability is often a barrier to care for patients. How can an office make care more affordable? Like everything, it's all going to come down to ensuring that you're providing patients options. I think especially nowadays where people have lost a great sense of certainty and a great sense of security. So being able to work with them so that they can fit the dentistry into their monthly budget, especially when patients come in, if they've never had significant dental work done before, would you agree, Tom, that any number you're going to give them is going to sound like a lot of money? Yeah, I think the, the fear of, of that number is huge for people who are coming into the office. Exactly. And if they have no frame of reference, if you tell the patient they need a crown and it's $1,500, that is a lot of money. And when you can start to make sure that your team is focusing on the value that is being brought to the patient from the dentistry that we provide, because when you start to break it down, if you think about a $1,500 investment in your tooth that on average at the short end is going to last you at least five years. So that turns out to about $300 a year of an investment that you've made to save that tooth, which is less than a dollar a day. And would you say that most people spend more than that at Starbucks every day? Oh, sure. And think nothing of it. And especially now where all of us are living longer, 
It's not unusual that we're going to be living into our late 70s or 80s or even older than that. And all of the people I speak with that are in that demographic that have their teeth are grateful because they say that's one of the only joys that they have in life later is being able to eat everything that they want. And they look at it like that's a tremendous investment. And also knowing that our oral health is intimately connected with our general health and where people are so worried about getting sick right now, the better your immune system is, the better chance you have of surviving encountering any sort of a virus, not just COVID. And so the more that you can take care of yourself, the better off you'll be. So what does affordable mean? Usually affordable really means how does it fit into a patient's budget? Because if you're talking about more significant investment in dentistry, I would often use the analogy with a patient of, well, you need a car. So when you go to buy a new car, do you go in and write a check for X amount of dollars? Or do you sit down with the gentleman or the lady and figure out what can I fit into my monthly budget? I can afford to spend $200 each month toward my car. And your dental investment really should be thought of as that as well. So does increasing affordability mean my revenue or my take-home pay as a dentist is going to drop? That's a great question because I know that's the first thing that we think of, right? Is <laughs> Well, uh, that means that I might not be getting everything that I normally charge for. Um, the reality is this. If any practice is already subscribing to insurance companies, they're already taking a cut on whatever their actual fee is. And I look at it like I would rather get 90% of my fee and be able to allow my patients to be able to do the treatment that they want and rather than 0% of a 0% of 100% of my fee. So being able to give your patient options whether it's third party financing, in practice programs or ensuring that you accept every single type of credit card, um, you know, check or cash, obviously giving an incentive for cash payments up front. I don't recommend that offices use their own payment plans because the dental office should not be a bank. There are people that are better suited to do that. So utilize any outside services that can help you give your patient more options to be able to pay for their treatment. So are there certain ways we should talk about paying for treatment to make sure the patients understand it is a good value? Sure. It, it's often helpful to start out even just asking the patient. So, you know, for instance, Tom, are you a big picture kind of guy or do you like a lot of the details? Would you rather know what the total investment is going to be or do you want me to break it down by visits? Do you want me to break it down by what your options are for monthly financial considerations? What works best for you? So asking great questions of your patients is the best way to know how you can present the treatment to them in a way that they're going to accept it. So it sounds like you need to build a relationship with your patients as kind of the base of a, of a successful model here. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Because until you have rapport with your patients and until there's a two-way trust streak going, no patient is going to accept treatment unless they absolutely have to. And if you have an, an emergency-based practice and that's all that you do, that's fine. But for any kind of general practice that is looking to do continuing care on a steady patient base, it is incumbent on everyone on the team to ensure that you're building that relationship and reinforcing it with the patient every single time you come into contact with them. Because all it takes, we know nowadays, is one bad interaction right? I mean, with the internet the way that it is, patients can leave your office in a heartbeat 
go on Yelp, find somebody else in their area, in their network, and switch. There's a very different perception of loyalty nowadays. So every time your team and the doctor interacts with a patient, you are either reinforcing for that patient that they made the right choice to be in your office, or you're giving them a reason to go somewhere else. So what role, what can my staff do uh, to help make treatment more approachable and affordable for patients? The team needs to be really comfortable with what the practice's fee schedules are. Because if they truly believe in the vision of the doctor, the vision of the practice, and they know that the doctor is coming from a standpoint of he or she wants to provide the best dental care to his or her patients, then they should be behind that and know that when a recommendation is made for treatment, that it is in the patient's best interest. And as providers, it's our responsibility to ensure that we are being open and candid with our patients about what they can do to keep themselves in optimal dental health. So the team has to really be behind that vision of the doctors for the practice and then be able to talk to the patients. And we need to be able to look at the patients and understand that different people are motivated by different things. Some people are motivated by security and others, they run their life on an emergency-based kind of way, you know, where they do wait until something blows up until they take care of it. And just understanding what those patients' needs are and what resonates with them, being able to change how you discuss the treatment with those patients so that they hear your message is important. And that's one of the things that we work on at Fortune is figuring out people's personality types so that we can have better and more effective communication so that the treatment remains the same and we know that it's in the best interest of the patient. Just ensuring that everyone on the team is talking to the patient in the way that the patient wants to hear. So when I have a staff member who thinks that patients think we're overcharging them to make an extra buck, how do I deal with those, that type of a staff person? Yeah, that usually comes down to a couple of different things, Tom. It could be that that team member does not believe in the doctor. Perhaps the team member doesn't believe in the doctor's skills, doesn't believe that the doctor is coming from a place of integrity, which is a whole other issue. If they do believe in the doctor and they really truly just believe that it's too much money, then I think that the team member probably has a limiting belief about the value of dentistry. So perhaps that's something where the doctor has to work with that team member to let them understand that no matter what the charge is, that the patient is receiving a great value for the service that you are providing them. And we have to understand that the team doesn't always get that the patients are paying their salary right? The patients pay the salary for the team. The doctor is only the conduit. We're just the middleman where we take the money from the patients and then we distribute it to the team members. And so if the doctor isn't pretty transparent with the team about what the financial needs of the practice are, you know, what is the overhead of the practice so that the team can understand that when the doctor's charging a certain amount for X amount of treatment, there's a reason where you came up with that fee because you have a certain number of bills that have to be paid every month payroll being usually the number one part of that, right? That's usually the highest percentage of our overhead is, is salaries and everything that goes along with that. And I think that if the team isn't aware of that, then sometimes there can be a disconnect. And if they have a limiting belief about what's considered expensive versus what's considered an investment, that can get pushed onto the patient and make it more difficult for the patient to accept treatment. So who do you suggest helps communicate the value of the treatment? with the patient? Is that the doctor? Is it the front desk staff? Is it someone else? Is it everyone? 
I think it's everyone because the patients on in general spend more time with the hygienist than almost anybody else in the office, right? If you have a reg, if you have a general dentistry practice, most patients are coming in to see their hygienist at least twice a year. That hygienist has almost unlimited time with that patient where they really can be developing rapport with that patient. And often patients can relate better sometimes to the hygienist or the assistant or the, the administrative person. It's not like it was 30 years ago when the doctor walked in the room, told the patient this needs to get done, and the patient said, okay, and walked out and booked and did whatever was told of them. You know, it's not like that anymore. And I think that's a good thing because I always want to encourage questions from the patients. And that means that everyone on the team needs to have a consistent message about the quality of the care that's provided, the service that they're providing, not just the dental, but all the feel good stuff too, the relationship part of it, and then the value that the patient is receiving. So when you're having your staff communicate value, do you have a script for them? Or how do you how do you approach teaching them about value? There certainly are a, a few touch points where, again, always finding an analogy that the patient can relate to, as far as you know, not making the patient wrong about what they are spending their discretionary dollars on, but giving them a frame of reference that, listen, I understand. I go to Starbucks a few times a week too. I kind of kick myself when I realize I'm spending five bucks on a cup of coffee that I could make at home for thirty five cents. For me, that's an indulgence. That's something I do to make myself, you know, it gives me a little, a little rush. And so I understand that. And so being able to use analogies that the patients can relate to where they're doing things for themselves because it makes them feel better. And that's okay. And this can be one more of those things because this truly is an investment in themselves, in their long-term health. You know, whether a patient is motivated by their health or by their appearance or by their status, whatever that person most relates to is the easiest way to present your treatment so that you're giving them what they want. So what are some key programs my office can implement to help increase affordability? One is care credit, which I use for many years, which allows patients to do third-party financing. The doctor is not involved. The The dental practice is not involved with the finances. Basically the patient applies directly to care credit they get approved for a certain amount of money, Care Credit distributes the cash to the doctor's office, and you're taken out of the loop. So the patient's funded, they can do whatever treatment they want with that. And I'm always an advocate of any programs that allow patients the choice of what they want to do. And so in-office programs as well are very helpful, like Cirrus Dental is one of them, Plan for Health is another one, where there's a program that's installed by the office, and usually there are different tiers involved. So you may have your basic tier, which for uh, you know a slight courtesy that's extended to the patient, it's going to cover their hygiene for the year, their necessary radiographs, their inter- their exams for that year. You may also want to have a, a middle tier that encompasses well when you get to a perio program, and so being able to offer that to your perio patients. And then you may have what I consider like your platinum tier, which is it covers whatever the patient's hygiene needs are for the year, and it also gives them more incentive to be able to do more discretionary dentistry. So you might want to offer, when you sign up for this program, you also get 20% off your dentistry for the year of the program. So that way, anything that you're doing to help your patients save a little bit of money on the things that they really kind of need to do, which would be their hygiene, 
they now have a few extra dollars to be able to spend toward the things that they may want to do, whether it's whitening or veneers or Botox or mouth guards. So having those other options available for your patients is going to let your team hear yes a lot more when the patients are presented with treatment. So if I have a membership program, how do I make more profit since those programs typically, as you said, offer a small discount or there's a charge for the platform? Yeah, well, that's a great question, Tom. As I said, yes, you're, you're writing off a little bit at the start, but you are then giving the patient more freedom with their money. Because if I'm giving them a courtesy towards something that they really need to do throughout the year, so if they, they need to come in to see their hygienist, they need to come in to maintain their oral health. So if I give them a courtesy to be able to save some money on that basic part of their dental needs, then they're going to have more discretionary dollars to be able to still spend within my office to do some of the other more profitable items. And I would use it as part of my marketing platform as well. I would make sure that was on my website to let patients know that we are offering this as well. So does does a business coach help a practice analyze which programs are profitable or less profitable and how to use those? Absolutely, because one of the first things that we do when we start working with a new client is we really dive into their financials. We really are looking at what's their production, what's their collection, what's their profit margin, and then evaluating if they're involved with insurance companies, what kind of a write-off are they taking for that, and then looking at the various other financing programs that are out there and seeing which ones work with the model of the office and can really help to start to build that practice. Because if you are a relationship-based practice, the more options that you can offer to your patients, the more excited they're going to be to come in and not only do that, but also refer you to their friends and family. So if you can start to make that be your internal marketing as part of your internal marketing, I think that's a, it's a no brainer for me. So how can practices reach you? A number of different ways. Email me at GeraldineAlfie at FortuneMGMT.com. They can call my cell phone, 312-479-4427, or send me a text message. And I'm on LinkedIn under GeraldineAlfie. Also, Facebook under Fortune Management Chicago. I have a Twitter account. I'm on Instagram. I have a website, FortuneChicago.com. Last week in Toothonomics 101, we looked at accounts receivable. This week, we'll move over to accounts payable. As you recall, accounts receivable is money people owe you. Accounts payable, on the other hand, is money you owe people. Accounts payable do not charge interest and are typically due within 90 days, so loans and mortgages are not included here. The great thing about accounts payable is that you're essentially getting an interest-free loan. And as long as you're able to pay all your bills on time, you should work to keep money in accounts payable for as long as possible. Let's say your office expenses, not including salaries, are $300,000 a year. And let's say you typically pay bills as soon as you receive them. But most vendors are probably okay if you want 30 days to pay. We won't bore you with the math here, but if you can get 2% interest in a savings account, you'll make almost $500 by keeping money in your savings account and paying after 30 days 
as opposed to paying immediately. Yes, $500 may not seem like a lot, but imagine finding $500 in the pocket of a coat you hadn't worn all summer. It's basically free money. That's our show for today. Thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our podcast and make sure to tune in next time when we discuss the economic value of self-care for both you and your staff.